Hello and welcome to No Helmet Required, where we normally recap the original Hallmark dramatic series, Cedar Cove. However, today, I, your host, Auntie Karen, and my two friends, Uncle Brian and Auntie Sarah, will be recapping a Christmas carousel, which premiered last weekend on the Hallmark Channel. Uncle Brian, Auntie Sarah, would you like to introduce yourselves? Yes, hello. It's so good to see you both on Zoom. I'm Uncle Brian, um, and um, I was trying to think of a carousel thing to say, and the main thing that came to mind um, is how much I've been listening to Taylor Swift's new album, and but how annoying I find her use of the word merry-go. Like she just refers to a carousel in one of the songs as a merry-go, and that's what? just not a thing. I that's just hate right. that so much, um, but I like, that's not, I, I like the album, um, but I'm not okay with just calling it a merry-go. She uh, can't even finish that phrase? Right? Um, yeah. Jeez. So, okay. I know, I'm starting out as a hater here, sorry. <laughs> that's um, all right. This is uncanny because I was going to mention Ms. Swift too at the beginning <gasps> of the podcast. I'll wait till my, my turn, but... um. I'm trying to know, which song is it that she says Mary It's that Coney Island one. It's the one with oh. the guy from the National. She's like naming yes. the different things at Coney Island. And she's like, the Mary Go. And I'm like, there's more to that word. <laughs> That's not I'm how like, the kids say it. Um, excuse me, Ms. Taylor? I think you <laughs> forgot a syllable at the end of that word? That's right. Round. She's missing round. Yes. Auntie you Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself? My name's Auntie Sarah. And um, I haven't ridden a carousel in a really long time. I think it's been at least a handful of decades. And I was actually trying to think of when the last time was and where it was. I have a very particular tactile memory, but I haven't figured out where it's from yet. Hmm. But um, there was a horse. It had very flared nostrils. That's all. And, and there was a seatbelt. I remember that. Oh, for safety. Oh, you know what? Maybe Disneyland. Uh, I think that might be the only place I've ever ridden a carousel because where else in my life am I going to find a carousel? Ancadia, but we will talk about that later. <laughs> um. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, we'll get there. Clearly, you've never been to Ancadia. Right. Um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dear listener, if you haven't seen a Christmas carousel, that is the name of the country to which we will be traveling tonight, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, I'm Auntie Karen, and uh, two things I'd like to say about carousels. One is I like the ones with different animals, not just horses, because mm -hmm. I always want to be on the big cat, the tiger or the lion or the cheetah. So that's the first thing I want to say about carousels. The second thing is that what really pops into my mind when I think of carousels is this scene in Beverly Hills 90210 <laughs> when um, Andrea is uh, Andrea. confessing her love to Brandon. I, I guess it's Brandon. The guy's irrelevant. She's confessing her love to someone and she's sitting on a horse on a carousel. Sure. And she says to him, I'm offering you the person on this horse, <laughs> by which she means that she's offering herself. And I've always thought, oh, Andrea, that is not a good way to do that thing. 
<laughs> a romantic way to say that. Oh, oh God. I love it, though. Yeah. It's pretty uh, good. Um, so before we, we have a couple, we have some uh, orders of business today before we jump into the recap. Um, but we would like to take a moment to honor Hallmark's new direction. Yes. It's um, in the strangest uh, of strange years, something very strange happened to Hallmark Christmas movies. Um, representation happened. Um, <laughs> like they're not the same um, anymore. There is, there is inclusivity in a way we have never seen on the Hallmark Channel and in a way that honestly just makes my heart swell. Yeah, I mean, multiple people of color as leads, multiple interracial couples in the Christmas movies, multiple gay characters, including the first gay male kiss on Hallmark. Um, I, I, didn't, I don't think I saw any lesbians though, and that, that's kind of a problem, but, um, but, but wow, amazing. Yeah. And the kiss that we got was pretty smoking. Yeah, it wasn't I liked just a it. peck. It was a very romantic kiss between two very handsome men. Yes, who yeah, were married. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's okay. Um. Well, <laughs> and I do want. It's to a say, little less hot that way, actually. Oh. But um. <laughs> sorry, Uncle. There, I do want to say there was a lesbian uh, romance in Christmas with the Darlings. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The main character, C Katrina Law has a best friend who has a crush on a barista at a coffee shop. Oh, and then like, the whole first, like three quarters of the movie is just her crushing on this other woman and trying to flirt, but being really bad at it. And then not knowing, did the barista give me a heart on my cappuccino for a reason? Is that a symbolism? Uh towards me in particular or is that just the barista expressing herself yeah i think that's just how they do it yeah um <laughs> it's either a heart or it's a leaf you have two options <laughs> yeah. it must get really boring having to go between one and the other when you're a barista uh, well for christmas they could have done a candy cane that doesn't seem that hard, honestly you know what do i, I just have to say while we're at, while we're here and, and while you're chiming in, Auntie Sarah, I just have to say, I was listening to last year's Christmas at Dollywood recap podcast last week, because I do that sometimes. And it was really sad for me to hear all of the plans that we said we were going to do in 2020, none of which we managed to do because 2020, <laughs> oh. you know, was hideous, right? You know, loss after loss. Um, but, um, but I do think one thing that I am super grateful for right now in this period is because of the stupid COVID thing, Trans-Siberian Orchestra had to cancel their <laughs> annual Christmas tour, which means that Auntie Sarah is not on the road with them, but joining our recap today. And that is a wonderful treat. It's um, true. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not hopping along the interstate, stopping at every, every day's in following <laughs> Trans-Siberian Orchestra on tour. I love that. that so that's you know. one of the silver linings of our, <laughs> of our, pand of our pandemic Christmas, um, is that you are here. We really are so grateful to have you here, Auntie Sarah. 
We really are. Uh, You're here. I'm happy to be here. I love listening to you talk about Hallmark. Yeah, let's talk about why we're doing the recap, uh, why we're doing this particular movie, and then we'll get into the recap. So um, I'd I'd like to start by saying um, I am inspired by the Christmas angel herself, Taylor Swift. And (laughs) she did not have to give us two albums this year, but she did. And I personally felt that she did this because she loves us. And (laughs) so when Uncle Brian suggested that we do a recap, I thought, you know, what would Taylor do? She would say, yeah, let's do it. Let's make time. Let's get out of our PJs. Let's stop (laughs) whining about all the work we have to do. And let's just do a recap for the people, for the fans, to to see if we can make someone else a little bit happier this holiday season. Yes. Also, Mm -hmm. she has a song that is on the latest album, which is basically a Hallmark movie. It, it, a little trashier, but boy, I want to watch that Hallmark movie. <laughs> yeah, um, I have just the two verses. It's a little verses. more nihilistic. Yeah. yeah. Um, Th- these are the verses that I'd like to read to you. We could call it even. You could call me babe for the weekend. Tis the damn season. <laughs> Write this down. I'm staying at my parents' house. And the road not taken looks real good now. Oh, my Time God. flies. Messy as the mud on your truck tires. Yep. Now I'm missing your smile. Hear me out. We could just ride around. And the road not taken looks real good now. And it always leads to you in my hometown. Yes. Oh, man, this feels, this is a, this is a, this is some, that, that's, that feels bleak. Yeah. It's a little bit bleak. It's a little bit I bleak. love that a bleak song. version. I want a Hallmark movie to be a little more bleak like that. Oh my god. And what would what would the upside down world of Hallmark look like if all Hallmark movies were like that? A little bit yeah. desperate, a little bit Yeah, like let's angry. have them fling for the weekend before I go back to Before I go yeah, back to LA. Yeah. LA, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I would want to watch that movie. <laughs> I guess that's more of a lifetime movie. Yeah, it feels more lifetime. And remember what was that movie that Charlize Theron did? Uh um, oh my gosh yes <laughs> yes uh, yeah where she went back to her hometown and she kept playing that teenage fan club song over and over, over and, over and over again and she had that um, tiny dog in her bag and yes it was falling out and oh that was, was a hard movie to watch she wrote young adult novels yeah i think it was called young adult <gasps> oh my god you're right wasn't it i think so yeah and what i yeah. loved was Pan oswald drunk in yes. his basement room listening to suicidal tendencies that yes. was so weird that was a that was a that was a heavy movie and i mean it was funny know. but it was dark maybe um, the german producers in the u-boat should you know check it out yeah. see what they think yeah. see if they want to take things in a new direction you know there could be a third hallmark channel so we have hallmark you know countdown to christmas on regular hallmark channel it's all fluffy romance then we yeah. have miracles of christmas on hallmark movies and mysteries those are the movies that are trying to make you cry and, but in like a wholesome way. And we could have sort of like, you know, Hallmark on the edge or Hallmark (laughs) alternative where it just gets more bleak, you know? Dark Hallmark. Um, I'm okay with that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Of course that has nothing to do with the movie we're actually recapping today. <laughs> Sorry, let's get to our Strangely recap. Enough. Let's, let's um, get to our recap. A and Christmas that is a Carousel. Christmas Carousel. 
starring Rachel Boston and Neil Bledsoe. Um, if you haven't seen it, there are still multiple opportunities, including on Christmas Day. Um, you know, I was thinking why this movie um, as well, and I wasn't inspired by Taylor Swift, but um, you know, I pretend that I don't like the Christmas movies about royalty, but I actually, when I think about it, I really do. Like, I love the one with Danica McKellar where she's the governess. I love the one where Lackey Chasber, you know, has to win over a frosty Jane Seymour, <laughs> right, as the queen. I like that one where Merritt Patterson is the ice skating princess or the ice skater who goes to the king. So I actually really love the royal ones, I think. So, um, so yeah. and I also like Rachel Boston, who is in this movie. Like, Rachel Boston... She's kind of a treasure. She, I liked her in the ice sculpture Christmas where she sculpts ice. Um, she's delightful. I agree. I, I also think that I don't like the royal movies, but then when I think of movies in particular, I think, oh, I liked that one. Well, I, well, I liked yeah. that one. And now I'm realizing, I guess I do like the royal movies. Yeah. Yeah, there was a good one this, this uh, season two, One Royal Holiday, which was really cute. And Rachel yeah. Boston, she's delightful. She's always watchable. Yes. Is this a movie about secret royalty? No. Not secret, no. Not secret royalty. Not no secret. secrets. It's out there. No. Oh, I understand what's happening now. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> right, let's see. I was putting a lot of pressure on my recap, but all right. <laughs> let's all right. try it. Right. Okay. So before I recap this movie, we have to unpack the title, um, A Christmas Carousel. At first, the indefinite article in the title puzzled me a bit. Surely the Christmas carousel would make more sense as there is really only one specific Christmas carousel that drives the plot. But then I realized the subtle echo that the titler was making here. Do you realize, dear aunties, that a Christmas carousel is only a few letters away from a Christmas carol? the original text to which we can trace all contemporary Christmas tales. Dickens's original, which I do love and which I often teach, is noteworthy for its didactic intentions, its attempts to teach something to Ebenezer Scrooge and to the reader. But if a Christmas carousel has similar didactic aspirations, how are we to locate them? And that I think is where the title gives us a hint. As I noted, a Christmas carousel only differs from a Christmas carol in the addition of a few letters, specifically U-S-E, or in order, use. Um, what we have here is a Christmas Ryan, carol. You're, Ryan, <laughs> pause. Pause. Yeah, can we take this pause? I can't believe that we aren't charging anyone for this. <laughs> this is free. This is free knowledge that we're giving to everyone all over the world. Brian, you are blowing my mind right now. <clears throat> Two reasons. One is I did think I was curious about the A versus the the, and I did think, oh, is this a nod to A Christmas Carol? And then yeah. right there, I stopped. I really had nothing else <laughs> to do. And then you took it to a level. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Please continue. Yeah, it's true that you, you know. took it to a, like a renaissance of Hallmark uh, analysis level. I, I spent a lot of years um, learning to do this, and, 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 and it's all been worth it, apparently. Um, the golden age of Hallmark scholars. Yes. Well, is this why so, we should actually be calling you Uncle Dr. Brian? No, Uncle Dr. Okay. Dr. Brian. 
<laughs> Uncle Dr. Master Brian. <laughs> Un Uncle is fine. Okay. Um, so, but what we have here is a Christmas carol into which the question of or concern about use has been inserted. And what is the question of use? I would argue that this movie is intermittently engaged in a debate, often beneath the surface, about the use or uses of art. I don't mean this question of use in a purely material sense, like is this vase useful to hold flowers, but rather in a broader, more metaphysical or ethical sense. What use is art? What is it good for? What does it do? These are the questions that this movie is considering. Perhaps you weren't expecting such heady stuff from Hallmark. No, I was not. And that's frankly why I didn't watch the movie. But yeah. I'm so but glad that <laughs> I had you to just recap it for yeah. me. Well, here it is. So let's go. Yeah! As the opening credits roll, we are outdoors in a snowy park. Kids are coloring Christmas pictures on picnic tables that are surely too cold and too wet for said activity. While our heroine, Rachel Boston, in a pom-pom beanie, describes their scenes aloud to us. They call her Miss Thomas, but I will decline to do so. Um, Rachel Boston explains that she has a surprise for the kids. She has asked them to draw their favorite Christmas memory and now she wants to share her favorite Christmas memory. Standing in front of a big tent, she pulls aside a saffron curtain to reveal a shiny carousel spinning inside. She explains that her great grandfather built that carousel and she used to ride it every Christmas with her parents. Her joy and enthusiasm in this moment is a delight. As the kids clamber onto the horses, she explains that she and her dad did the restoration for the carousel. Restore what? Says a cute but not so bright nine-year-old. And Rachel <laughs> Boston explains that restoration is, quote, a big word for making something old new again. Well, I like her definition. Yeah, I mean, it's true, right? Sure. I mean, you're restoring it to, you're restoring it. So you're going, back. are you making it new? You're, you're making or it what it was before. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it's restoration. You're restoring. Okay. I'm not going to argue with Rachel Boston. It's her movie. Restoration hardware sells new things that look like old things. Boy, they sure do. <laughs> um, yeah i mean so maybe she was a little too simplistic with with that nine-year-old but that nine-year-old deserved it he's a nine-year-old um, and he what he did he he didn't have much of an imagination to start with no yeah so then rachel boston explains to this that to this cute child with a limited vocabulary uh, that they are sitting on the special wishing horse a, a specialty that her great-grandpa added to every carousel how can one tell which horse is the wishing horse as far as I can tell, only Rachel Boston knows for sure, because the horse <laughs> looked like all the other horses to me. Um, Sounds like it, horse staff lighting. Yeah. Didn't it have the red roses around its neck? Did they all have red roses or just the wishing horse? I don't know. I thought it looked like the rest, but maybe I should have paid more attention. Um, well, now I'm thinking that if Andrea had been sitting on the wishing horse... Oh. And I know 210, maybe Brandon would have felt the same way about her and wouldn't have walked her away and left her sitting on the horse. Yeah, if Rachel Boston had been able to tell Andrea which one which, was the wishing She horse. was just on the wrong horse. I don't know, yeah. poor Andrea. Yeah. Okay. I feel like Andrea just is the wrong horse. That's also true. Yeah. yeah. Poor thing. 
at any rate, the wishing horse is special because it makes wishes come true. Um, speaking of which, at that very moment, Rachel Boston's friend Nicole arrives with the news from their assistant principal. Rachel Boston's ultimate dream job, program director, will be opening up. Program director of what? Of the McGuffin Institute, I guess, dear aunties. Don't worry your pretty little head too much about that viewer. <laughs> but I don't understand. What is she programming? D Art. 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 <laughs> yeah. With a, be, with a capital she, A. All right. I'll yes. Take. She wants to be program director. All right. Later that afternoon, we're in the workshop of Thomas Carousel Restoration, which is where Rachel Boston works. She's busily carving a horse's leg out of wood while her father, Roy Thomas, is painting a finished horse. He asks about her final day of school. Did she show the kids the wishing horse? Of course, Dad. It's not her first carousel tour. And they all made a wish. But did you? He asks. What do you want me to wish for? She asks. And he says, Mr. Wright, maybe. She says she's been too busy enjoying her life to worry about that, and then turns it around on him. It's been eight years since her mom died, and maybe, she says, it's time for her dad to move on. But all he wants is a peppermint mocha. I, I love this line where she said, I wrote down the exact quote, I'm so sorry that I'm so busy enjoying my life that I don't have time for Mr. Wright. Yeah. And I thought that was a nice spin because often in Hallmark movies the ingenue doesn't date because she's so career oriented mm -hmm. but she says I'm so busy enjoying my life so she doesn't feel like anything's missing and she isn't this like overworked oh I'm a corporate lawyer and my life is so meaningless she actually really loves what she does she loves teaching yeah. art she loves carousels she has yeah. friends and she's, she's yes. enjoying her life. So she's not like, you know, she's not, it's just, it's a little different from the usual Hallmark flavor. And I like that. I agree. I, I liked it too. As they drink, said Peppermint Mocha, Rachel Boston informs her dad that the program director role at the MacGuffin Institute is opening up, but he doesn't seem to realize that she would be interested in it. Suddenly, their conversation is interrupted with a phone call. We only hear Roy's side, but he seems surprised and ends the call by saying that, quote, they would be honored. After he hangs up, he gives Rachel Boston the deets. That was the king of Ancadia, and they have been invited to spend Christmas in that country, restoring the carousel that Roy's grandfather built there years ago. Somehow, all of this information was imparted in the 27 seconds that Roy was on the phone. I, I timed it. Um, and even more surprisingly, Roy, for some reason, believed everything that the so-called king of Ancadia <laughs> said to him on the phone. All I know is that an exiled Nigerian prince is going to be really lucky if he ever gets Roy's email address. I will tell you that. Um, is this a real country? I, I mean, it's not, right? No. no. It's not a real country. It, it made me wonder if... Roy was already aware of Ancadia and already aware, oh yes, my granddad did carousels all over the world. There's one here, there's one in Ancadia, there's one in Coney Island. Yeah. And so it, it was a little bit less shocking. To okay. Because otherwise yeah. it's like, you're the king of what? And, and you want me to go where for Christmas? 
yeah, we would be honored. We would be honored. <laughs> yeah. It would be an honor to go to the to go to the court of the of the ancient kingdom of where? Ancadia. <laughs> and we're gonna talk about that in a minute. So not Arcadia. That's Ancadia. exactly yeah. Fascinating. All right, yeah. take it away, Brian. A bit later, Rachel Boston is on the phone with her friend Nicole to share the good news. Either they're going to Ancadia or her dad is going to appear on Ashton Kutcher's Punked. Either way, it's a holiday escape from whatever town they are living in, a town that the movie didn't even bother to identify. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, we have no idea where they actually reside. No. It doesn't matter. It's better to be in Ancadia than in a Thai prison for whatever reason. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's a famous proverb. Um, <laughs> Nicole informs her that Ancadia is that country with that prince who is always at red carpet events with different women. The tabloids, with a suspicious lack of creativity and snarkiness, call him, quote, the Casanova prince. Wow. This is news to Rachel Boston, and she is dismissive. Nicole reminds her to apply for the program director job before she leaves, but Rachel Boston is hesitant. That job, like many jobs, is full-time, and she doesn't think she can take it and still help her dad with the business. So she has reservations. Yeah, they have this conversation, and her friend says something like, well, is it really an either-or? Can't you apply for the job and also still help your dad? And yeah. Rachel Boston says, yeah, it's an either or. So she kind of establishes that it's, it is truly a dilemma. She can't just sort of cruise along and do both. She can't kick that can down the road and just apply and see what happens. Yeah. 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 Cut the to Cassin the out. The Prince. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. I like the idea of the Casanova Prince being just like JFK Jr. Oh. In my He's mind, similar it's like hair, the Seinfeld actually. episode where Elaine goes to the gym and she's in the spin class behind JFK Jr. Is that, the, oh. is that the episode? I think that's the episode. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But when I when I heard that prince who's always in the red blah, blah, blahs, that was the first prince that I thought of. I can't think yeah. of any other handsome princes in the world. There well, I mean, there was there was Will, the the. Oh, I can't. Prince yeah. William, right? Um, yeah, but but then you know, then he squandered that. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> <laughs> he ruined it by perpetuating a family legacy of betrayal. I've got feelings. I oh, I, I yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> continue. <laughs> All right, cut to the Alps. Um, an old-fashioned steam train pulls up, and Rachel Boston and her dad disembark at Ancadia Station. Before we go any farther, let's talk about the microstate of Ancadia. I mean, it's Excellent. basically Liechtenstein, right? Um, but English-speaking, um, or more accurately, British-accent-speaking. Um, yes. British-accent is its own language on Hallmark. Yes, and, yeah. and that's what the they royalty. speak in Ancadia. That's what you have, British accent. Yeah. And let's talk about the name. On the one hand, we could acknowledge that Ancadia sounds like a pill I could take to help me lower my A1C. <laughs> um, but I think what is more interesting is how close the word, as you pointed out, 
Auntie Sarah, is to Arcadia, the ancient mythical prelapsarian pastoral ideal, right? Mm -hmm. And so what will we find in Arcadia? Will we discover a way of life closer to nature, a golden age of simplicity? Or does changing the spelling signal a great fall from the state of grace? Mm. What modern ills does one little N bring? Oh my God. <laughs> that sounds like a great question to ask the royal family's assistant who greets Rachel Boston and her father outside the station. Though, mm. alas, neither Rachel nor Roy does ask her. The assistant's name is Heidi, just to make sure we understand that this is the Alps. <laughs> Does she have pigtails and is she followed by a cow? No, but that feels like a missed opportunity. Um, yeah. um, Heidi is a competent professional woman in her early 60s. So again, not, not maybe what we were expecting. And she is delighted to meet them. And Roy is delighted to meet Heidi. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. There's a little the spark there. Yes. Yeah. In the car, Heidi explains that Prince Whitaker will be overseeing the carousel restoration project. The restoration, which means, just in case you've forgotten, making something old new again, um, will be a Christmas gift for the king's granddaughter, Maya, which does seem like much less of an Alpine name. Um, yeah. That's, I more, that's much more of the 21st century, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting choice of name. Yeah. She's a modern girl. I don't know what she that is. accent is. <laughs> well, could be Ancadian. Um, <laughs> the restored carousel must be ready to be presented at the annual Christmas Eve gala, of course, which is only two weeks away. Is that, asks Heidi, possible? Rachel Boston will need to see the carousel immediately to be sure. So we find the carousel on a snowy hilltop down the mountainside from a huge fake background chalet. The carousel evidences peeling and cracked paint as well as, according to Roy, wood rot. Uh -oh. However, it does have the trademark wishing horse. In explaining all of this, Roy and Heidi start to spark a bit. Um, Heidi notes that the prince has already been restoring the murals and Roy praises the work. As Heidi is explaining this to Roy, Rachel Boston has wandered away. She bumps into a ladder and almost knocks a workman off. He's touching up one of the murals. The workman has a variable British accent um, and he's oddly enough wearing a blue bandana tied around his neck. If this were the Castro in the 1970s, this blue <laughs> bandana would signify that the workman is looking for a bottom to top. <laughs> However. Stop! Stop! <laughs> this the German producers are like, no idiots! <laughs> Brian, this, this is, is too much. I don't know what they're doing. Too much chili in my hot cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> Get some um, immediately. Uh, okay. However. I know I, I have one thing to say, though, before we go on here, is that yes. I find it surprising that uh, the Thomases did not know their timeline before yeah. they boarded a plane to Ancadia. Like, they get there, and they are completely, they're totally surprised when Heidi says that they have two weeks to get the work done. They're like, oh, oh two weeks? Oh, they haven't seen the carousel. 
How well, long did they think they were staying? Did they get? Did they have return flights? Like, I, I, I don't think so. They this? really didn't care. They're like, well, I think we're going to get a one-way transatlantic flight, and then we're going to take a rickety little train to the Holy Alps. Then we're going to meet whoever's going to meet us there, and we're just going to say, what's the deal? What are we doing here? I've got no plans for the rest of my life. Is this a real thing? Are we ever going home? Have we been hoodwinked? Are we going to be locked in a dungeon? It's an open-ended restoration project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. They like to travel with no plan. Oh, God, that drives me up a wall. Um, oh, I hate it. Um, well, so despite the fact that I don't think we can rule out that the workman is gay, he and Rachel Boston flirt with each other. <laughs> okay. As he picks up his dropped paintbrushes, he draws that a dirty brush is a small price to pay for meeting a beautiful woman. I don't know why I did that in a Southern accent, but I kind of did. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I guess, yeah. Um, and after they banter some more, she admits that it was nice bumping into you. It's a real meet cute. Though, so if you are like me, dear aunties, you were probably expecting her to end up with a prince, not some gay painter. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. I wrote in my notes, meet cute is so cute. It was a really cute meet cute. I mean, it was. It was. It was cute. He was charming. Yep. Uh, he had to quickly pick up the brushes and the paint and Anna. Yeah. She was clearly twinkling at him. I mean, yeah. it was, it was really cute. It was. And then they talk about more. The workman notes that he's heard that the restorers are coming because he's an artist himself. Rachel Boston is impressed with his brushwork and asks if he knows the prince. The workman says he knows the prince quite well. And Rachel Boston says that she hears the prince is a real ladies man. Maybe not showing great awareness of how to make small talk when you're new in a kingdom. Um, the, working, the workman takes it in stride and suggests that the prince is more friendly than roguish, uh -uh. to which Rachel Boston replies, that is what every ladies' man says. Um, and with that, the workman leaves and Roy and Heidi saunter over. Rachel Boston and her father tell Heidi that Christmas Eve deadline won't be a problem. She's delighted. As they leave, Rachel Boston looks over her shoulder fondly. She's made a connection with that gay painter and she doesn't <laughs> want to forget him. I have a feeling that this is going to prove embarrassing pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that gay painter? That? I wonder who he was. I wonder who that gay painter was. Yeah. Uh, well, so then Heidi takes the Thomases to what she calls the cottage, which is not really a cottage, but an old, somewhat depressing farmhouse that is so obviously North American. Like <laughs> nobody in Europe ever built that house. Um, <laughs> Rachel Boston coos that it's lovely, but it's not. Um, Heidi, <laughs> Heidi boasts very, that it has, yeah, oh, go for it. It's very dark and oily. It looks like someone's Ooh. been cooking with grease in it for like three centuries and it's no. just in the walls. Stop it. Sorry. That is a great description. That yeah. is viscerally horrible. <laughs> viscerally horrible. God. But it captures the cottage. Yeah, it's gross. Super You'll nice. be staying here with a bunch of little cockroaches and dust stuck to the wall. And uh, it's charming, isn't it? See you tomorrow. <laughs> well, Maybe. Heidi boasts that it has everything you need to be at home during the holidays. 
but then only enumerates two things. One, fresh gingerbread in the kitchen, and two, the traditional Ancadian breakfast included in the morning. I don't oh. know about you two aunties, but I require more to feel <laughs> at home for the holidays. <laughs> I'm morbidly curious about what that Ancadian breakfast Oh, oh, we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. Yes. Okay, cut to the palace, though I have a hard time using that term to describe any of the interiors that we are subjected to. Every room that we see in the palace reminds me more of a historical luxury hotel that was built in the 1920s, and that while still a nice enough hotel today, feels a bit limited compared with more modern luxury buildings. So think the Hilton Milwaukee City Center. Um, <laughs> Again, I, those I German producers are getting pretty pissed off at their scouts right now. Their location scouts are really not stepping it up. I asked for a palace and you have brought me a Hilton. <laughs> and instead I get this double tree in it is Oh, yeah. So we find Heidi walking with the king, updating him on his evening audience schedule. The king is a man in his 60s with a graying beard, a comb over, and a bad navy suit. He looks like a lifetime mid-level executive from the Appleton office of Thrivent Financial for Lutherans. Um, <laughs> he does not no. look like a king. There is nothing no. regal. Nothing regal no. about this dude. Mm-mm. No, he spent his life in the insurance industry. Um, though I suppose that being king of Liechtenstein is probably about equally interesting to working um, for Thrivent Financial for Lutherans. Um, the king's throne is in the middle of the hotel ballroom and it's a tacky gold painted chair that the set designers obviously borrowed from the mall Santa at the Vancouver Galleria. Can you picture it now, Auntie? Yes, it's horrible. Bright red velvet. When I saw that chair in the room, I was like, oh, no, oh. no, 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 no. He's not going to sit on that chair <laughs> and conduct business from that like chair. And then he does. Okay. Yeah. That's how kings do it in Ancadia. He sure does. He just sits in the chair? Yeah. Yeah, and other people stand before him and then they have conversations. Super weird. Wow. I mean, it's, you know, this is how royalty works, I guess. The king <laughs> wonders where his son, Prince Whitaker, is. He's exasperated with his son's disregard of his royal duties. Yeah, Whitaker. What is that name? Well, it's... It shortens to Whit, which is kind of okay, right? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I think wit is what a cute. weird ass name. I think it's cute. I don't dislike it. It reminds me of LL Bean Furniture. <laughs> don't dislike it, but interesting choice. Okay, continue, please. Yeah. Um, he's exasperated the king with his son's disregard of his royal duties. Do you suppose, he asked Heidi, I'll ever be able to retire? As he says this, a 12 year old girl skips in. Literally, she's skipping while singing Deck the Halls. Is this finally the Arcadian simpleton that we were hoping to meet? <laughs> a child of nature? No, it's Maya, the king's granddaughter. 
<laughs> she tells the king that he can't retire. And the king tells her that they have protocols and she can't skip and sing in the palace. But clearly this is not true at all because that's what she does. <laughs> After Maya skips away, the king tells Heidi that he would retire and turn the kingdom over to Whitaker if he thought he was ready. But the first thing a king needs is a queen and Whitaker is dragging his feet. But that ends now, says the king. It's time for him to have a proper wife. As opposed to an improv, like, does he have a fake wife in a broom closet someplace? Probably. Well, he has friends. He's very friendly with ah. multiple women, which is frowned upon. The yeah. red carpets, yeah. 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 The Casanova. Oh, first, yeah. Right? The red carpet, the red carpet women. Yes. Can I say something about the child? Please. Okay. Tear her apart. No, it's the opposite. <laughs> I find oh. her absolutely delightful. I think. I think it's the accent. She's like, Grandfather, I'm, why, why mayn't I skip throughout the palace singing my carols? <laughs> and <laughs> whose parents are this child? How is she related? How is she the granddaughter of the king? And is oh. she the daughter or the niece of Whitaker? Whitaker's younger sister is her mother. So she's his niece. Got it. And they're skiing. Parents are off skiing. We'll talk about that. Very convenient. Real convenient. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before, that a lot of the children in these Hallmark movies are very annoying Canadian children. And <laughs> Yes. And this one is, I feel like once you put a British accent on a child, that child can no longer be annoying. Uh, it's just all of a sudden adorable. It's like, oh, father, I'm frightened. Oh, um, grandmother, may I have a spot of food? I'm, I'm peckish. It's like, they're just all of a sudden so darn cute. You just can't even take it. I do think her behavior is not age appropriate. She is too old to be acting yes. like this. She's acting yes. like a seven-year-old and she's clearly 12. Yes. But that's a problem in all Hallmark movies. All the ages are off. You, you're constantly having some 10-year-old in a training bra drawing pictures that look like a five-year-old. So. <laughs> oh, so, so I'm just gonna let that go. But I thought she was cute. Okay, I'm all for it. I didn't like the skipping, um, but um, <laughs> whatever, whatever. The skipping. If she's 12, come on. Yeah. Clearly, she's you know she's she's playing a role for her grandfather here and not being her true self. Oh yes. Oh, I like that. Okay, so Rachel Boston and Roy arrive and they are in awe of the Hilton lobby uh, at the palace. <laughs> they are ushered into the throne room and are presented to King Coventry of Ancadia, but somehow they don't laugh, even though Coventry is clearly a girl's name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Names can be anybody. Names are names, um, but King Coventry. Um, as they bow and curtsy from behind them, running in is His Highness Prince Whitaker. Hey, it's that artistic gay top who she met earlier at the carousel. <laughs> he took off his kerchief and put on a prince outfit? He did. Um, he gives a bit of a shit-eating grin to Rachel Boston, who looks quizzical and mildly embarrassed. He insists that they should call him Whitaker. 
But then they are all interrupted by the arrival of the Duke of Sterling and his daughter, Lady Margaret, who push Rachel Boston and her father aside. The Duke has stern and bushy eyebrows and no time for pleasantries. He's heard that Whitaker is interested in his manor. Whitaker <laughs> explains that he needs the manor to house his new project, a first-rate art school in Ancadia. The Duke is skeptical and Whitaker tries to sell him. The school will have programs across all artistic disciplines for students old and young. But the Duke is a self-proclaimed military man with no interest in quote, drawing pictures and scampering about in two twos. Whoa. To this, Rachel Boston has an epic eye roll reaction shot, which I really appreciated. I appreciated that too. And then you see what is at the crux, the crux of this movie, which is yes. the importance of the arts. Yes, yes, the uses of art. What use is art? <laughs> oh. As they leave the throne room, the Duke's daughter Margaret apologizes to Whitaker for her father's brusquerie. As Margaret hangs on Whitaker's arm, he introduces her to Rachel Boston and explains that they'll be restoring the carousel. Margaret laughs, ha 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 that the prince has always had such a soft spot for that silly old thing, which does not endear her to Rachel or Roy, who are trying to leave. However, Whitaker invites them to tea and won't take no for an answer. In the process, talking up the palace's famous Christmas scones. However, he pronounces it Christmas scones, which gave me an epic eye roll reaction shot. <laughs> I picked Christmas up on that too. Scone. I was like, what is a scone? Is that a scone? Yes. <laughs> also, at that moment when Margaret, when Lady Margaret makes fun of the carousel and she says that dismissive thing like, oh, you have a soft spot for that silly old carousel. At that moment, that's when you know that she's trash. Yes. <laughs> if she doesn't understand the beauty and importance of the carousel, she's trash. Yep, she's out. Um, yeah. yeah, she's, yep. Yeah, that you're right. Silly blonde woman from the from the hills are alive with the sound of music. <gasps> oh, I almost said the the hills have eyes, and then I realized that is <laughs> that the would wrong be a different movie. movie. That would be different. Um, the the um the why can't I think of her name? The, Max's the, friend, whatever her name was. Yeah, I loved her. She's actually my favorite character in that movie. I um, <laughs> love knowing that. And I'm all for that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> she was certainly delightful and she had a really great wardrobe. Yes. And she wanted to send the kids to boarding school, which was yeah. the right answer. Duh. Hello. Um, Those kids are running around, you know, like goats in a, in a goat pen. Right? Yeah. Oh, it was great. I loved her. Um, <laughs> oh. Lady Margaret is not... That woman. Cannot aspire to that <laughs> elegance, um, I, I would say. Okay, so at tea, Whitaker drinks his tea daintily with his pinky in the air and his legs crossed. Watching him, Rachel Boston extends her pinky accordingly and wonders once again whether he's super flaming or just by curious. Um, <laughs> The king asks Margaret her opinion of Whitaker's plans and she describes the arts as such a wonderful diversion. Um, all the while she talks though, Margaret, Whitaker is mugging goofily. And it was at this point that I realized that the actor who plays Whitaker, Neil Bledsoe, is kind of channeling Johnny Depp's 
Jack Sparrow oh, no. from Pilots of the Caribbean. That's so He's confusing. being swishy, goofy, slightly drunk, and louche. Um, and this movie made a lot more sense to me after I realized that. Like, that's <laughs> one of his inspirations of, like, what he's doing here. That's so weird. Wow. What a weird choice. Yeah. Did you not see that, totally. Carrie? Is that well, not? No, I mean, now that you say it, I can't unsee it. I mean... <laughs> It's there. He's, well, he's, um, I think the, the, the grand bodily movements, like the big sweeping arm gestures and the way he throws his leg over his other leg when he sits down and crosses his legs, it's like a very physical dismissal of decorum. Like my mm -hmm. dad wants me to be straight laced, to be rigid and like a soldier. And I'm going to be fluid and free because I love the arts. And he even says, dance, painting, music. He loves all the arts. All he of does. them. So he's like, he's like one of those used car lot um, things that go in his acting choices. What are those things called? They're like the, the air-filled the air-filled statues that go men flail around. He's, yeah, not, he's a little flaily, yeah. 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 The opposite of straight-laced. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, so Rachel Boston is not impressed with any of this conversation and tries to excuse herself, but Whitaker chases after her. He apologizes for not being forthcoming when they first met, um, but he explains that he prefers not to lead with his title um, it stops conversation. They banter a bit about him maybe being an international spy, but then Margaret comes over. Um, Whitaker explains that he considers Rachel and Boston and Roy to be professional restoration masters. Modestly, Rachel Boston says that she only helps her father out. And Margaret says, oh, you only work part-time? <laughs> does, does Margaret work at all? Uh, probably not, right? Yeah. Um, does she even know what part-time means? Yeah. Um, but Rachel Boston explains that she's also an art teacher, and Whitaker is excited. I have the highest respect for teachers. Margaret giggles, Rachel Boston mugs. There's a lot of mugging in this movie. I That was the line where I was like, oh yeah, I like this prince. Yeah. I even wrote down that quote. I have the highest respect for teachers. I was like, okay, Wit, all right. You have the highest respect for teachers. All right, we can have a conversation. This yeah. Go somewhere. It, yeah, it was endearing. Yeah. The next day, Rachel Boston and Roy are at work on the carousel. Roy has conveniently left his crescent wrench back at the cottage. Does he sleep with it? Um, so he <laughs> has to leave just as Whitaker shows up uh, wearing his blue gay bandana. Um, <laughs> Rachel Boston tells Whitaker that the art school sounds great, but icily notes that she's sure his girlfriend will put in a good word with her father. But Whitaker says Margaret's not his girlfriend. And then she accuses him of using a pickup line on her, that one about the paintbrush. He denies it was a pickup line. He says he was just being friendly. Rachel Boston is a master at making this kind of banter feel natural, even when the dialogue isn't that good. Um, but yeah, I think it's lovely. They banter some more and then they come to a kind of truce. Cut to a quick interlude at the Ancadia Christmas Carnival. Rachel Boston and her father are strolling when she gets a text from Nicole that they are waiting on her application for program director. 
but the text inconveniently arrives at the exact same moment that Roy tells her she should cut back on her teaching in preparation for taking over Thomas Carousel restoration. He says she has a gift and shouldn't waste it teaching. She is fondly evasive. And we're coming back again to the crux of what is what is art for and and uh yep what is it to be an art teacher yes or yeah. a programs coordinator or a director or whatever it is yeah program director yeah so then back at the carousel rachel boston is carving a wooden horse leg when whitaker shows up again she complains about the traditional herring breakfast that Ew. she was fed that morning <laughs> oh my god <laughs> And he agrees that it's the, in the worst. Alps? Yeah. Yeah. They're in the Why? Alps. What? They're like, I know what I want. I want a food that does not grow here, that smells worse and worse as it's transported over time, which means that it needs to be canned or pickled or salted. And I want to have that for every breakfast of my life in the mountains where <laughs> this is never found in real life, in the natural world. What? <laughs> exactly. I can't put it better than that. Exactly. <laughs> and I want it whole so that its eye is looking at me so that to help me greet the day, to help me wake up and greet the day. What do they eat it on? Unclear. They don't say. Yeah. Wow. I hope not gingerbread. Um, because that's the only other thing in the kitchen. That's um, so gross. <laughs> Can you imagine subsiding on a steady diet of gingerbread and herring? And marmalade and tea. Well, that sounds, that sounds okay. like a life. I want scones. <laughs> I know. Bring me those imported scones. Yes, some scones, please. Whitaker agrees that it's the worst Ancadian tradition. Um, but something is wrong with the leg that she's carving. It, quote, doesn't have the right movement to it. And he offers to show her something that might help and promises uh -huh. it isn't a pickup line. Uh -huh. Cut to his royal corral with real horses in it. Apparently, this is intended to help her because she's presumably never seen a live horse. <laughs> That's why they went to the horses. I think I missed something there because I was like, why are they... Look, why are they at the horse corral? Like, doesn't she have work to do? What is, I don't understand what's going on here. So thank you for clearing that up. I just, I completely yeah. missed that. No, well, that I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. Because, um, you know, she carves horse legs for a living, but All has probably never seen one. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but of course, the real purpose of the scene is to show that animals like Whitaker, which proves that he is also worthy of human love. Yeah. She melts and admits that she may have jumped to conclusions about him and lumped him in with some of the guys she used to date. And he says, did it a lot of princes, have you? Oh, no. But oh. she hasn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> this was, I mean. He's like, actually, I haven't. I take all of that back. Yeah, I, I was wrong. Um, the, the dialogue here was not great. But their chemistry was top notch, and yeah, and I think they acted the hell out of that dumb scene. I agree. Yeah. I I love her acting always, and I, I love his Jack Sparrow stuff. Like I, he's just chewing the scenery half the time, but I love it. Um, Me too. Me too. He he is exceedingly charming. Yes, and genuine at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. 
So then they really start getting to know each other. He admits that all the tabloid ladies, they were all just friends. And then he asks her about her teaching and she says she loves it, but she's at a crossroads. She wants to be program director, but she doesn't want to leave restoration because of her dad. She says it was always assumed she would carry on the family mantle of carousel restoration. Whitaker knows a thing or two about mantle carrying and laments that his father never expected his only son to have more interest in a paintbrush than a crown. Then a scepter. Then a scepter. Then a throne. Uh, missed opportunity, writer. <laughs> You're right. That's a failure. <laughs> oh, oh my god. The German producers are so mad. Oh. Back at the carousel, Whitaker explains that the Duke is going to be hard to convince to turn over his manor for the art school. He's a military man, and art is too abstract for him. Rachel Boston says that it's too bad that we can't make him see how life-changing art can be. If only they could present it in a way that he could relate to. Aha, says Whitaker, you've just solved everything. Moments later, they explain their plan to Roy. They're going to organize an event called the Art of Christmas because, and Whitaker forgot to tell us this before, it turns out the Duke loves Christmas, but doesn't understand art. So the solution is to put on an event that showcases how art is about Christmas to show the Duke that the arts can matter. So we're just connecting all the dots. <laughs> and on top of this ridiculous deadline to restore the carousel, we're also going to plan a massive event with tons of shit at stake. I was well, waiting for this moment for you, Auntie Karen. Like when this came up, I was like, oh, there's a overly ambitious event planning on an impossible deadline. That's Auntie Karen's favorite. It's my kryptonite. <laughs> It's like, there's that moment where you're just like, they're like, oh, and food. Oh, and music. Oh, and a, and a venue. Oh, and how are we, we got to plan all this. And you're just like, um, that kind of stuff takes months to plan. You can't do it in 10 days unless you're doing it full time and you already have connect. I mean, what? It doesn't make any sense. Um, so that was a problem. It just doesn't show all of the minions in the background who do have to do it 24 hours a day for the next two weeks. I mean, I guess at least, at least he's a prince and can probably has lots of servants. Lots but we of didn't minions. see any servants. All we saw was, and I did appreciate this, the two of them, this might be a little bit later, and I apologize if I'm jumping ahead, but there is a moment where they're sitting down together and she has her laptop open and she is clearly working on a spreadsheet. Yes. And that made this slightly more forgivable because usually, usually the heroine is going to get this done purely on spunk. But Rachel Boston, Rachel Boston is going to get this done with a spreadsheet. Yeah. And I respect that. Yeah, because that's necessary. And if anything, this is just very good practice. This is a very good dry run at being a program director. You need yes. to know how to use Excel. Yeah. You need to know a few basic Excel formulas to get things done. You yep. got to be able to use that to coordinate all this stuff. So good for her. I'm glad that she brought her laptop and I'm glad that she had her Excel spreadsheet open. That's right. Right on. And, and now that we have identified the, the second layer of what's at stake in this movie, we're going to, we're going to pause right now and we'll come back for part two in, um, 
it's next in your feed on on your on your feed of no helmet required so just go ahead and go to the next episode and we'll continue see you in a sec bye bye